Welcome to Trainwreck Marriage. I'm Dave Touchton. And I'm Susan Touchton. Hey, uh, Susan's got some thoughts she's going to start us with this morning. Well, first of all, I thought we were out last week, I think just last week, um, just we were snowed in and we just didn't get around to, to sharing our thoughts, So, um, but we're back. Well, and I was sick too. Yeah. In the midst of that. So. Yeah. So um, it's good to be back. Um, a couple thoughts that I had this morning was um, just, you know, I was praying the other day and was just kind of asking God to, I, I always ask for wisdom, um, and but I was just thinking how right now it seems like there's just a lot going on in our world. There's a lot of negativity. Um, you know, everything is expensive. People can't find work, or the people that are needing employees can't find employees to come work for them. There's sickness. We're dealing with COVID. Just all these really negative, hard things to kind of understand. And I was, you know, my prayer was, Lord, I know that in the end you are victorious, but right now it seems like Satan is winning. And I've mentioned that to a couple of people, and they were like, yeah, it really does. And so... Um, I asked David the question this morning, you know, how, how do we remain faithful when it seems like either God isn't moving or it seems like he is um, not listening or, you know, whatever, whatever the case may be, however you want to word it. Um, but how do we remain faithful through this time where that seems so difficult and you know, I don't know what you're facing right now, um, but he does. And I posted something on our train wreck Facebook page of um, the reason that people, married couples, stay together is because, um, you know, they fight for it and they they try to make it work. And, and I said, it's not easy, but it's worth it. And, I, you know, all these difficulties that we face, again, sicknesses and death and you know, all these things is remaining faithful through that. Uh, Cause I don't know how, if you don't have a relationship God with God, how you even get through it. And so just um, trusting in him while you're going through these trials and difficulties, and maybe you're not the one even going through it, but you see it all around you. Um, and how you can be an encouragement to others that are going through it. Well, and I think perspective has a lot to do with it. Um, you know, really with us, it's it's one of those things that I tend to be more optimistic. Susan tends to be a little more negative, realistic, however you would like to politely phrase that. But, you know, I think it's one of those things. We, we can find doom and gloom in anything, but in a positive. You know, uh, you get a Christmas gift, and the people are wealthy, and they give you money, but it's not as much as you felt like they should have gave you. You know, I mean, I think it's one of those things that perspective is everything. And I think sometimes we overlook that because in our mind, we already know in our mind what we feel we ought to get, what we deserve, what 
whatever that that word is um because the thing is then when it doesn't happen then the fear sets in what if it never happens what if we never go there you know i think back when we first had trouble when our marriage was falling apart and it's like how do i breathe each day I mean, that was a struggle to me, and and that sounds really stupid, but it, it was very, very truthful. The overwhelm, the fear, what's going to happen, where are we going to end up, are we going to make it, are we not, do I want to make it, do I not, I do, I don't. I, I mean, you kind of go all over, and I think Susan brings up some great points, because in today's market, fear is just an opportunity, and it's probably stronger now than ever. And I think sometimes you've got to look at things. You have an opportunity. You can either see the worst of everything or the best of everything. And I think sometimes it's easier to see the worst in everything, no matter who you are. But I think sometimes reflecting back that God didn't put us here to be miserable. And sometimes... Life is just messy. Doesn't have anything to do with God. It's called life. And sometimes we blame God for how we feel or what's going on. And, you know, it's God's fault that this didn't happen. Or, you know, and, and when you get into that mindset, fear is overwhelming. Um, And that's what we were just praying this morning for the, the podcast. That's something that really hit me was sometimes we miss God's blessing because we're so afraid of the next thing that may be happening or could happen instead of just living life and enjoying the moment. And I struggle with that greatly. I struggle with enjoying the moment. Well, and a couple things that I've thought of is, you know, not to be a Debbie Downer or whatever, because I think that, um, you know, I, I was sitting here thinking more on a deeper level of how we deal with death there and how we deal with um, one of our loved ones getting sick or how we deal with um, the COVID. There's a huge amount of fear in people um about the whole COVID thing. And I'm not saying that it's not like, I don't want to go into the debate of what, because there's so many different views and so many different opinions, but you know, so how do you deal with those deep things that, um, or you're in debt or you're facing bankruptcy or you're facing getting kicked out of where you live or whatever those, the case may be. Um, how do you stay positive and how do you try to overcome that? Uh, and rely on God, because most of the time, or a lot of the time, people blame God for whatever circumstance they're going through, instead of realizing that, one, there's consequences to all of our decisions, and some of what we're going through may be a consequence of a decision we made prior to. But also, for me, I find whatever I feed myself as far as what I watch, what I listen to on the radio, um, things that may have a negative, fearful, high-stress 
connotation, then that's what my reaction. I can sit here and tell you honestly that when we watch a movie that is very action-packed and, you know, shoot up, shoot them up and all that kind of, like, my body physically gets tensed up and then I carry that several hours after the movie's over just because my mind, you know, so I think a lot of what we read, what we listen to, what we watch has a direct effect on how we handle. If you're watching negative um, things or listening to, I won't say hard rock, but I'm not a big fan of the hard rock thing, but, you know, music that may just be stressful or high strung or whatever, then that's going to affect how you view the situation you're going through. Yeah, and I love hard rock, so I'm kind of the opposite. And you don't like heavy metal. No, art. no, no, no. Yeah, that's no. what I was meaning, heavy metal, really. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is, I mean, I, I think you, you've got to, this kind of just hit me and kind of brings me back to the point of um, you were responsible for you. If you're happy, it's because you're happy. It's not because anything happened around you that that changed that. Because when you start going off other people's emotions and other things going on, well, the problem with that is, you know, we end up chasing something that's not true. So what, what I mean by that is when, you know, your happiness... Um, I think of, you know, people say, well, if you become a Christian, you'll be happy. That's a lie. Mm -hmm. That's, uh, that has nothing, one has nothing to do with the other. Um, you know, happiness is one of those things that you define and you have a choice. Either you can see how much God's blessed you each day, mm -hmm. or you can say, well, I didn't win the lottery again today. I don't know what I'm going to do. I mean, I can't believe God... Bah, 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 bah. Or they're getting... I can't believe they got that blessing and we didn't. Oof, right. Yeah. You know, we overlook the things God does for us. Um, and we, we really get to the point to where it's just considered normal. You know, God, God's a genie. Yeah. I, I feel bad. He should fix it. I feel sad. He should fix that. And, you know, to a point, I think Susan brings up some great, I don't, I do listen to some of the Christian music by all means, but, um, I'm really more of, of, you know, running down the road, listening to a pastor sermon. Um, I like listening to multiple different pastors, um, because of their perspective, the way they, way they reveal the scripture God showed them in a completely different way. And it's the exact same words. It's, it's just cool for me a lot of times, but I'll be honest with you. Sometimes that gets overwhelming and I flipped a classic rock because I just need my brain to stop. So I think it, the question is what makes you tick? What makes you happy? What makes you sad? Because it's not the other person in the marriage that's making you sad or mad or happy and that's I mean you know Susan I I can brag on her greatly because where we started 10 years ago to where we are today is a is a night and day difference in in her attitude of looking to things and uh 
you know, it, it just is amazing to, as God's changed her from, you know, well, we got this, but there was always a but on the end. And, and she's worked her way through that, that she's not, it's not always a but at the end. It's a, wow, isn't that cool? And I, I mean, I'm thinking of whether it be deposits, whether it be work, there's there's always something to be strung tied on. So it's a choice. Yeah, and I would agree with that. Um, and I think that, you know, I was talking about the whole marriage thing, you know. Something that David said made this click is, you know, you may be in a season of life that your marriage is really difficult right now. Um, we went through that. We were on the brink of divorce. And I'm so thankful now, um, you know, 10 years, nine years, however long it's been, um, that God changed us and is continually working on us um, because we're probably in a the best place that we've been right now, honestly, maybe since ever. we've got married. Probably ever. <laughs> and so, but it's because... We're at a different season in our life. You know, our kids are, are adults. Um, Eli is still living here, but yet he's trying to figure out um, his life. And so really the only thing we have right now is to focus on spending time with each other and what that looks like for us, being empty nesters. It's For us, it's kind of great. Yeah. Um, but we still have to figure it out. I mean, we still have to kind of figure it out. So I guess all that to be said is divorce is a quick fix. It's an easy answer to difficult situations that you may be going through right now. And I will tell you, raising children is probably the biggest strain that you will have on your marriage next to money and finances. Um but be encouraged that if you have a relationship with God, because as David always says, there aren't marriage problems, there's God problems. Right. So work on your relationship with God and grow in Him and grow towards Him, even if you have to do it by yourself and your spouse isn't coming along with you. But stick with it, because there will come a season later on, many years into your marriage, that it will probably get better. I know that's not always the case, and I know that there's people that get divorced after 30-some years of being married, but I, I would question whether God was a part of that or, or not. But just like I it's just whatever season you're in right now, and I'm just assuming that a lot of people listening are have kids and are going through tough spots. You're running from here to there and everywhere. Um, just be encouraged that there will come a time that you do get the opportunity to just focus on each other. And like I've said all along is, yes, you, you, you love your kids and you do whatever you possibly can to help them um, get through and be successful and all that. But don't um, take away from your spouse because your kids will grow up and they right. will move out to where the only thing that you have is your spouse. So... I would just encourage you to, to develop that relationship, even though it seems hopeless, um, turn to God and see where he guides and directs you. Because we all know, it's biblical, that He God hates divorce. 
And so his plan is for you not to be divorced, um, even though it may seem really difficult. But just um, draw close to him so that then he can guide you on how to deal with your spouse. I will say that when I had the emotional affair, I was not, I would have quiet times and I would talk to God, but my relationship with him was not where it would, what should have been. So therefore I made the choices that I made. Yeah. Well, and you know, when you're going through the seasons and, and really with small kids, just one piece of advice that will help um, get on the same page in the sense of it's you and her fighting against them, them being the children, the world, your parents, everybody. Because when, when you do that, um, you know, when, and you always, you've got to find a way. One of the problems we always had was we never agreed. And we would do that in front of the kids disagree with each other in the sense of the way we handle them or whatever the situation would be. And then they kind of figured out, Hey, that's a wedge I can, I can play. And I remember Haley, she was, I don't even know how she's probably 16 and, uh, her and Susan got into it and, uh, Haley says, well, dad, what do you think? Well, Haley and me are a lot alike. And, uh, honestly, Haley was right. I mean, no ifs, ands, or buts. Haley was right. And she knew I knew she was right. And she wanted me to come in and it'd be me and her against mom. And I said, well, your mom's right. No, she's not. And we kind of had this thing. And then I walk out of the room. Well, later after Susan went to bed, I drug Haley out in the garage. And I said, let me make one thing very clear. You guys are leaving. Your mom's staying forever. I vote with her. She's right. But dad, you know. And I said, Haley, it doesn't matter. You drag me into a conversation. I'm siding with your mom. Well, you know she wasn't right. I said, that's irrelevant. That's not the point. The point is, and you know, I think, you know, I remember one other time after that, her and Susan were getting into it. Same situation. I looked at Haley. I said, you want my opinion? And she's like, no. <laughs> well, I, and that seems like a, just a minor story, no big deal. But what, what Haley figured out very quickly is we're standing back to back and we're going to go in agreement and, and we don't care because you're leaving. You're a child. You're leaving our house. You're going to start your own family. Why would I pick a war with Susan? Now, we may discuss it later behind closed doors of, honey, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I agree with Haley on this one. But I don't do it in front of the kids. And I think sometimes we degrade our spouse in front of our children and teach them that our spouse is not valuable. And I, I, you know, and what you do is you train them. So when they get married, their spouse is not valuable. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, as parents, you've got to be very cautious, especially when they're younger. And if you screw up, don't worry about it. You got time to fix it. It's more about fixing tomorrow than it is worrying about what you've done in the past. Because through our situation, God, God re healed our family 
and and we can have a whole episode on the wars that were going on and the different things that were happening between me and the kids and I, it just God healed it. But that's also because I told Susan right up front, I'm chasing Jesus. I don't know what that means. I have no idea, but I'm going to do it. And, you know, I, I think in this situation, um, men have to lead. If your marriage is in trouble, men, it's up to you to lead. Your wife cannot lead you out of marriage problems because it's, it's set up that you lead. I'm sorry, but I laid all on the guys. Well, and a couple of thoughts that I had, you know, you, when you're, you know, we're talking about raising kids. When you're raising kids, you are going to have different beliefs in how they should be raised based off of the fact that you were raised one way and you turned out okay. And so you believe that the way you were raised is the right way. Right. And then your spouse was raised one way, and he believes he turned out okay, and so he thinks the way he he was raised should be the way that you should raise your kids. And so you take two different scenarios, um, and then you mesh them into a marriage, and then you pour out what you know and what's natural on your kids. And it's inevitable that it's going to be different. There's probably very few couples that were raised the exact same way and have the exact same opinion on how to raise your kids. Not saying that there isn't, but there's probably some. But, you know, David was raised in the church. I wasn't raised in the church. Um, Thankfully, I developed a relationship with Christ early on in our marriage. I think even before we got married. Yeah. And... um, you know, we both knew that that was an important thing that we wanted to happen. Um, but there's all kinds of different things. You know, David's dad or family, they came from a work, you work through life. Um, and we did not, you know, we didn't grow up that way. And so it's just um, finding the balance. Right. And um, having discussions about and then coming to an agreement. Um and ultimately, um, you know, it, it works out. Fortunately, we've raised three kids who are grown, successful, starting families of their own. And um, But I even think of, of Haley's a good example. You know, they're going to be having a baby in April, and she comes um, from a very different way of raising than what James comes from. And so they'll have to figure out, how to what that looks like and make it work and hopefully on the big things like following Christ they come to an agreement on yeah well and that's some of that's just school of hard knocks mm-hmm. honestly we know everything until we don't right <clears throat> and I think some of that though you know I uh I tell people this pretty regular and depending on the situation the best thing that ever happened to me in my life was us almost getting divorced because it changed who I was. I gave God more of an opportunity to do something which I hadn't before because I knew everything. I knew what it should look like, how it should look like, how to do it. 
you know, and, and started building a relationship. I'm not talking about being saved. I'm talking about a relationship. No different than when you were kids and run around the neighborhood and your mom would yell, whistle, holler. Everybody knew that was your mom. You'd stop, turn, and look. That's a relationship. And because of our problems and almost being divorced, my relationship changed with God. Because all of a sudden, I didn't have a choice. I needed God. The difference was it wasn't for a day or an hour. It become a life of needing God and understanding and communicating and not thanking him for what he's already done. And so, you know, I think it's one of those things that um, you, you have a choice. The situation you're in um, is as good as you want it to be and it's as bad as you want it to be, all in the same thing. And, you know, really... Um, you, it's a crazy thought. Well, if I had more money, it'd be easier. It won't be. It's just new problems. Um, I've noticed over the years that, because um, I get wound tight, very tight. And when I was younger and, and up until God got a hold of me, because, but the same situations happen today that happened 15 years ago that would wind me tight. They're similar. They may not be the exact same. So, I mean, it really comes down to a personal choice. Are you going to own who you are? And are you going to make a change? Or are you wanting God to be a genie, fix this one, and then, oh, well, God, you need to fix the next one too, and the next one. It's it's one of those things that people get into that genie thing. Yeah, I would agree with that. And, I, and that's what I think... Um... You know, there's really no better way to describe it as a relationship. If you look at Jesus and his disciples, he had a very close relationship with them. Um, they were together daily on a regular basis all day. Um, now, I understand that we all feel the need that, to have to work and do all that, and right. so it's not a 24-7 kind of thing. But, you know, what I've really been trying to do is take Jesus with me for a lack of a better right. word. Imagine him in the passenger seat. Um, when I'm driving down the road, what would that look like? What would I be listening to? What would I be if he was with me all the time, which he is by the way, <laughs> right. um, how are you going to react? Is he going to be, um, embarrassed to be with you? Is he going to be, um, impressed or excited to be with you? Just kind of imagining that um, helps you to really evaluate what you're thinking and how you're acting, um, which develops that relationship. And the closer you draw to him, um, the closer he will draw to you. And it's not always easy. And, and we both, you know, mess up on a regular occasion. Right. Um, but he knows that he's the one who created us. And so um, all he wants is for you just to love him and to try to get to know him and then to tell others about him. Well, and that's the thing is, I think sometimes people get so concerned about not sinning and being perfect. Um, it okay. really, really takes away from the relationship. Mm -hmm. 
because it, it's not a relationship. It's a concern of I need to do what's right. That's called the law. Well, and I would interact or interject real quick that a lot of times we try to be perfect because the church says we ought to act right. this way, this way, this way, when in reality it may not be how Jesus wants us to act. But we, we have to put on this front to impress our church peers, fellow Christians, because there's this set of rules that, you know, we have to act this way. We can't do this. We can't do that. We can't do whatever instead of really seeking God and what he wants us to do. Yeah. And I think, I mean, my point to this is not that go off the, the wild side of stupidity here, but, you know, the relationships more important than you following the rules. Yes. You, and here's the problem is, well, I'm, I don't want to, I'm sinning. I don't want to do it again. You can't stop it. Without God, you cannot stop sinning. It's not physically possible. Right. And even with God, you can't stop sinning. So let's start building the relationship and take the focus off of whether I'm doing this right or wrong. It's more, is this what God's wanting me to do? Mm-hmm in this situation instead of having the scorecard of you know is this uh, uh, is this right or wrong because uh, the the problem with right and wrong is it's based off your perspective yep and it's based off what you've been taught all your life most of the time it is not based off biblical things mm-hmm. so i recommend quit worrying about sinning at the end of the day, you know, yes, you can have some, some, some involvement in stopping it, but your first involvement is surrendering it to God. That's step number one. It's not you quitting. It's you giving it to God and saying, God, I don't know what to do with this. I can't stop. I'm going to put this in your court. And if you're okay with it, I'm okay with it. That's where I got to be. And you know, it's amazing when you start with surrendering your sin to God of what you want to stop and not trying to stop, the pressure changes. Because when you're so focused on stopping, you're not involving God. Mm-hmm. So that's you stopping. Again, you can't stop. So. If you start with surrender and start asking, God, what do you want me to do? And I think sometimes we get so focused on what's the good thing to do? How do I become a good Christian? There's no such thing as a good Christian. There's no good teacher either. Jesus said it. Only God's good. So you're just a Christian. Well, now you don't have to worry about being good or bad. So, hey, we're out of time. Kind of all over the board today, but yeah. hopefully you were blessed by it. Yeah, yeah, and we'll, we will try to do better about doing them weekly. We've done pretty good, and then we hit a skip a week. So, hey, have a great week. We love you. You go blow all of your money. People are still going to love you if you don't buy them a gift.
Um, if they don't, then you maybe ought to reconsider who you're buying the gift for. Um, just focus, try to focus, on, do things that can remind you of why we even celebrate Christmas. It's got so commercialized and so out of hand and causes so much stress and anxiety that we kind of forget the real reason for celebrating. Um, yeah, no, I think that's great. Hey, you guys have a great week. We appreciate everybody listening, and we appreciate all that uh, all the support. Have a great week.